Thank you for tuning your hearts in for another episode of the Hearts Rise Up podcast. I'm Carol Chapman, your host, along with my co-hosts, Ann Sari and Conchetta Antonelli. We share our own personal experiences, tips, and strategies, along with powerful stories and compelling insights from guest interviews. We're here to inspire and empower your conscious evolution, help you tap into your inner wisdom and rise to your heart-centered higher self. Together, we can rise to a higher level of consciousness, an elevated state of being, and experience more love, joy, and freedom. Well, hello and welcome back, Heart-Centered Soul. Thank you for joining me again for another episode of the Hearts Rise Up podcast, where you'll always find heartfelt inspiration to help you tap into your inner wisdom keeper and expand your conscious evolution. I'm Carol Chapman, your host. I'm delighted to have an awesome guest today. Her name is Isabeau, Beau for short, Maxwell. Isabeau is one of the leading spiritual coaches in intuitive development today. She brings deep channeled knowledge and personal understanding to the field of spirituality. She has helped people connect to their authentic, natural, intuitive abilities for over 15 years. Isabeau is the founder of the award-winning intuitive development course, The Sage Method, the author of the best-selling book, Cracking Open, Adventures of a Reluctant Medium, and the creator of the popular online community, The Sage Circle. She is an internationally recognized medium, touching the lives of people across the world. Known for her compassion and accuracy, Isabeau brings peace and comfort to many through her energy work, transformative sessions, and teachings. Having earned a bachelor's degree from Minnesota State University with a major in mathematics and a minor in chemistry, Isabeau maintains a balanced perspective between the world and the next. Down to earth and easy to relate to, she offers safe space for students and clients to develop their intuition on their spiritual path. Isabeau, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have here, and I should probably call you Bo. Is that what you prefer? Most people call me Bo. They're both beautiful names. Thank you. You know, it's such a delight to have you here. It's fascinating. When I was looking at your background, how you started out and studied math and science, which are miles apart from spiritual coaching and intuitive development. I mean, that's sort of like the visible you know, intersecting with the invisible. And I would love for you to share how that came about. And I'd love for you to start out with sharing your story about what led you to the path that you're on today. Absolutely. It's quirky when I think about it. I pinch myself every now and then and say, you know, did this all really happen? But it did. And I absolutely love my life today as a result of it. In short, Back in 2005, in my early 30s, I was, I was a math major. I was a skeptic. I was very scientific. I wouldn't say I was an active skeptic trying to prove anything wrong. 
it was more that religion, spirituality didn't exist, layered with a little bit of, you know, psychics or frauds, that's not real. My grandmother passed away in 2005. She was in Minnesota. I was in New Hampshire. Within a couple of hours of her passing away, I was alone in my living room and she showed up in spirit form right in the middle of my living room, right in front of me. She came through so strong as she was about 70% solid. There wasn't like a, did I see it or out of the corner of my eye? It was right there and it stunned me. And that's actually kind of a gentle word for what happened. It scared me. I was really uh, frightened by it. Mm. So I, there was an initial panic. And then after that, honestly, my grief, I thought, wait a minute, that happened. So what if it's real? And I went into really diving headfirst into it. I was in very conservative business type circles. So I had to look outside my circle for somebody. I remember finding a Tai Chi instructor and saying to him, all right, you're the strangest guy I know. <laughs> Love Can that. you help me? Yeah. <laughs> and he was so loving and kind because <laughs> what a way to approach someone, right? But I didn't know anything back then. And he helped me. He helped me learn how to communicate with her. And then the proof started to come in. And then my guide showed up, my first spiritual guide showed up. And then the next thing I know, I'm kind of in training and then I'm doing intuitive sessions. And then I'm starting to teach other people how to open up their intuition. And here I am today. What was that first experience like with one of your guides showing up? What was that like for you? That was very unusual. And I always try to take a chance when I can to tell people that even strong intuitives who get very detailed information or can see a lot or can have really direct connection with their guides, it never starts out like that. With the exception of, I'm sure, a very rare experience, most people have to work at opening up their intuition. And I did too. So I initially saw my grandmother very strongly, but then for months after that, I could feel her and, and I could smell her, but I couldn't see her again. It took me a while. When I first met my first guide, I didn't even know what spirit guides were because I still was keeping it very hush hush. I was really worried about what people would think if I told them what was happening to me. I was in full belief because my grandmother had given me enough proof, but I was still very quiet. And I was walking to from the house to the parking lot of my friend's house past their woods and I saw I was just drawn to the woods and I'm not a overly woodsy kind of girl, but I was drawn to it. And I saw what looked like a heat signature. Have you ever seen heat kind of rising up off of a road? It looks transparent. Mm -hmm. Yes. It looked like that, but in the shape of a person. And it was really unusual. Every time I came to that friend's house, I kept getting pulled out there. So I said, do you mind if I go sit out here and figure out what the heck this is? Because my friend knew what was going on. And they said, sure. And that was it. It turned out to be my first spiritual guide. He ended up teaching me almost everything I know about intuition. It took me a while to see him clearly as well, but I'm very grateful that it all unfolded that way. Well, why, you know, this is very unusual. Not everyone kind of goes through probably, you know, 1% of the population of 8 billion people. Why is that? What, what is the difference between, if you think about it, and you know the answer, if you don't know the answer, it's fine, but why is it that you think that you are able to, that happened to you, 
but it doesn't happen so easily to others? That is a fantastic question. I have asked myself that many times and I've settled into understanding now why it happened to me. Having met people all over the globe, people who want to use their intuition just in their day-to-day life, all the way to people who have an, a calling and a, and a reason why their intuition, I ended up falling into that latter category where the guides you know, said, this is the person that, that is going to help us with this and this and this. I fall into the category of somebody that works for spirit. Mm. So it's my job. And if a living person walked up to me and said, hey, you should become a medium and you should do this and you should do that, I would laugh them off. I would say, you have no no idea what you're talking about. So it took an impactful shock to get me to open to the possibility. And then it took a couple of years of working with a being that, you know, wasn't in living form for me to start to say, okay, maybe there's something to this and I'm supposed to do this work. So some people have a calling. Some people, it's their job to either be an evidential medium to, for proof, or it can be uh, that they're here to be an energetic medium, to be connective for people. My calling clearly at this point, now I understand it, is to help others access their intuition and really to bring the message out to the world that everyone has it. I mean, if, if I can go from, <laughs> from completely skeptic and completely closed down to where I'm at today, everyone can do that. And I think that's what they really want me to do is help people get more in touch with their intuition. Lastly, I'll say this. They also knew that I was very good. I was a very good, you know, at business and organization and structure and all of that type of stuff. So if you're going to choose somebody to go out in the world, and reach people while they chose somebody that had some experience in that as well. I love what you're doing. I think that it's so desperately needed in this world today that people really need to trust their intuition. I feel like intuition really comes through our heart center. You know, it's a portal to a higher, higher dimension, a higher self, a higher consciousness. And I had a question here. What is the difference between guides and your intuition and your higher self. I mean, there's different thoughts around this or different experiences around this. Some people question that we're all one. We're all one consciousness. And it's elements of that one consciousness that is coming through. What is your perspective? My perspective is all of the above. And I'll say it like this. There are different levels of learning for all different topics in the spiritual realms. We here function off of linear time. Those that are on the other side, guides, our higher self, our loved ones, do not function on linear time. So as individuals on linear time, we first grasp concepts in a linear time format to understand them. Once we understand them on that level, then we're able to expand further. So guides, for example, guides, higher self, the final answer is that it is all one. We are all one. There isn't separation between the two. 
But sometimes that final answer isn't going to help us in our human existence because the reality is sitting here talking with you right now, we're both having human experiences. So it's great and grand to understand it on a nonlinear timeline, which that answer tends to be all lives happen at the same time. Our entire life is an instant moment for our higher self, et cetera, et cetera. All the guides are all the same. But as a human experience, what's the why behind it? If we're connecting with guides for guidance, the answer that we're all, you know, the same thing doesn't necessarily going to give you the guidance. But as a human, if you have that linear timeline approach and the structure of saying, okay, I'm sitting down for X amount of minutes with another being that I'm going to grab this resource from or receive this resource from, that's what we actually need. So to understand it on a conceptual level, it's true. We are all one. It is this grand symphony dance that is majestic and beautiful, all happening all at the same time. But coming back down here, you know, my name is Bo and it's Wednesday. And I'd really like to know if I should go to that place or that place. So I'm going to sit down and put it in a linear <laughs> format so I can have that guide connect with me and say, yes, you're supposed to go that way. I guess until we leave this earth or we, we ascend, we'll probably never know, but we, we have to deal with what we have to deal with. I definitely want to get into your process and how you help people. But I'm curious, when you're tapping into your intuition, are you separating yourself? It's just in your experience and how you teach your method. Are you separate from this linear timeline or are you all integrated? What is your experience with it? This opens up to one of my favorite tools that I like to teach people and if it's okay with you, I'd like to just share it right here. It's one of my favorite tools. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, because I tend to take the most impactful tools and sort of just give them to people like, here, try it, try it. Because most people are going to open up naturally on their own. If they need the extra guidance or format, I'm there for you. But I love giving people tools to say, try this and see what happens. For me, how I tap in is I let the agreed upon reality fade away. What that means, another way to say it is I allow myself to defocus from this human material world. And my best example of that for people is most everyone I've met has seen something out of the corner of their eye. And it's gone past that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, shoots by and they say, oh, I just saw something. And they turn to look to, to find out what it was and there's nothing there. Now what's happening in that is that your peripheral out of the corner of your eye, another way to say it is your peripheral vision is defocused. So of course you saw something there. When you turn to search, you focused, you looked at a door, a table, a wall, you were searching, your human eye was searching and landing on material objects. Now here's the key. One of the biggest keys actually to intuition is that with what we are trying to connect with, feel, see, and hear in the intuitive realm is not in the material. And I know that seems so simple, but sometimes it's that simple thing that clicks and you go, oh. So when we're looking at, if, if we're allowing our gaze to land on something solid, we're disconnecting from the invisible and it's in the invisible 
where everything we're trying to reach resides. So one of my favorite tips to share with people is defocus five minutes a day, completely, whether you're staring into a candle flame or into a reflective surface, or, you know, my, my most popular one is to tell people, look at a wall and then bring your vision halfway between you and the wall and just let it relax and then stay open for anything to happen. Anything. Don't expect anything. Just say, okay, however, you know, my guides, maybe you want to communicate with me. Is there a message out there? And then just stay open to how it comes through. It's the defocusing that takes your attention away from this agreed upon reality. And it puts the attention onto source and source is where everything is that we're looking for. I have to admit that is the best practice I have ever heard. It's so simple, right? Yes, it is. But you have explained it so beautifully. It's doable. You can actually apply it and then experience it. I have to say, I did sign up for your free intuitive course. And I remember going through it. And I remember you mentioning that. And I thought to myself, that is just absolutely phenomenal. It's amazing. We don't realize that these are just simple practices, but the way that you have described it, anyone can do that. Anyone can do this. And for me, I think I was a good choice for whoever on the other side decided I was going to come down here and teach intuition because I was originally the overthinker. I was originally the one that made it complicated. I was originally the one standing in those woods saying to my guide, well, it's got to be more complicated than that. And he, he would be saying to me, you stubborn, stubborn girl, just defocus, right? <laughs> I feel like I am a representation of someone who existed in a high-speed, uh, multitasking, material world, cluttered environment mentally and environmentally. And I was able to shift with very simple practices into living intuitively. As you can tell, I just get really excited to tell everybody that because I'm like, try it. Yeah. It'll take five minutes. Just try it. Well, you know, it's amazing that this is such a simple practice. And I would imagine you have other practices as well to go deeper with building the muscle of tapping into your intuition. Is there any other one practice that you think is particularly effective? Absolutely. I have two favorites. Defocusing is one of them, but something called GCP is, is the other one. And this one was also taught to me very early on by that same guide. It's GCP is short for ground, clear, protect. And while these seem like very um, common things, we all, we've all grounded. We know what that is. We've all you know done some clearing work. We know what that is. But doing it in that order does a few things. It will align your three bodies. We've got the physical body, the programming body, which is the mind on linear time, and then the spiritual body, which is our spirit. Grounding, how do I say that? Acknowledges and recognizes your physical body. Clearing acknowledges and recognizes that programming body on linear time, that mind. And then the protection, which is encapsulating your energetic body with, like, say, a bubble it acknowledges that energetic spiritual body. So by acknowledging all three of those bodies, the first thing that happens is that your three bodies become in alignment, which is what we all we always want. It's like taking a deep breath, getting the chakras lined up. Those three steps will get all three bodies into alignment. But a more powerful reason to do GCP, which as you can come to understand as I'm talking here, 
GCP is another one of those tools that takes 60 seconds to do silently. Mm -hmm. But by doing it, you're recognizing your energetic spiritual body. So I use those words interchangeably, but some people refer to it as their spirit. So let's talk about it as your energy body. When we walk through this world, a lot of people don't, a lot of people aren't taught to take care of their energetic body. We're taught personal space, right? Like don't stand too close to me kind of thing for physical <laughs> space and protect your physical body. But we're not taught to, to protect that energetic body. And what happens as a result of it, especially for empaths, is that we walk through this world and everything that we see, feel, and hear hits our energy body before it ever hits our physical body. Our energy body expands outside of our physical body. The result is, is that, for example, if somebody was to yell at you, if a stranger just was having a really bad day and yelled at you, their anger would actually hit and go into your energetic body before you ever heard the words coming out of their mouth. Because energy presents itself first and then the, the physical presents itself second. When we do this practice of grounding into Mother Earth any way that you want to, tree root, whatever that works, clearing, imagine water pouring through or wind going through. And then that final step of protecting where you put, you just imagine a bubble around you that filters out, keeps out everything that's not supposed to come through and allows what's supposed to come through to come through. Mm. So it's kind of, it's a little less than protection. It's more of a filter. When you do that, you're acknowledging that you're a spirit, that you're having a spiritual experience that will heighten your intuitive experiences. It will heighten your manifesting. But the most beautiful thing is that when energy comes at you, that's not yours to carry, you won't react to it. You'll see it before it ever goes into your energetic body. Thus, you won't be carrying around so much of everyone's emotions and feelings. And it's my number one favorite tool. Actually, I would say defocusing is probably number two. GCP is number one. That's amazing how you describe that and how it really creates that alignment. There is so much energy that is moving through the world everywhere at the whole world everything is energy if you can for lack of a better term creating an invisible bubble around you just to protect you and at the same time create that alignment between the different bodies within you and that energetic alignment is actually protecting you mm -hmm. and you're deflecting anything that is potentially negative that could come through. I'm curious, what blocks intuition? I know we've talked about alignment, but is there something that could potentially block intuition that we're not really aware of or something that, that people are typically doing that they just don't realize that they're blocking their intuition? Absolutely, yes. Think about small kiddos that come into this world, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, and you hear so many stories about them having intuitive experiences or seeing things, et cetera, et cetera. We come into this world with all six of our senses, you know, wide open. <laughs> and that sixth sense is your intuitive channel. It's wide open. Mm -hmm. What blocks intuition is clutter, emotional, physical, environmental, situational clutter. In today's world, there's so much coming at us that by the time a child is seven, eight, they're going to start building that clutter around them. We don't necessarily need 
intuition anymore to function as a human because we have GPS, we have DoorDash, we have Amazon. I mean, like we don't have to really think about a whole lot. And that starts when you're young and you go to school and they give you your list. They say, be at this room at this time, this room at this time. So we don't have a lifetime of relying on our intuition to make decisions. And as a result of that, between that and the clutter that piles up, we find it's really hard to access that intuitive channel. And I tell people, if you imagine, this is, I love this analogy, but if you imagine every piece of clutter in your life, every to-do item, every unfinished business with another person, every piece of physical clutter around you, that you, everything you own, every object you own is a piece of clutter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Disclaimer. I, yeah. Disclaimer. I do not engage in the idea of getting rid of everything you own. And, you know, I think minimalist, I don't think I could ever do, but keeping a lighter load, get rid of the stuff in the basement that you're never going to use kind of stuff. But when we have those items, again, everything that we have as a to-do list or an unfinished business or something we haven't said, think of each and every one of those things as a hamster on a hamster wheel in your mind. How many hamsters on hamster wheels are in your mind? And now you're asking for intuition to flow through. So there's something to empty mind meditation. There's something to, to balancing. There's something to having, uh, moving toward healthy relationships, decluttering that you know, extra closet in the house, because whether we know it or not, each and every one of these things pulls on us and it pulls us away from that center alignment, which is where intuition flows. I mean, you just hit it out of the ballpark. I mean, that is so true. Everything you just said, and it really is a nice segue into the concept of self-care that we were talking about earlier. If you wanted to talk a little bit about that, because in this, this world of so much noise, and I refer to noise as clutter, you know, because it clutters everything for us. So yes, talk a little bit about self-care. Self-care. So I'm of the older generation. I just am. And self-care wasn't first on the list of tools given to us as children. But moving forward, I know so many people who have worked very hard to bring self-care into their life after years and years of not caring for themselves first. Because a lot of us were raised to take care of everyone else before ourselves, and that that was a loving thing to do and that that was the right thing to do. And, that, and I get that. I understand that. But we're finally stepping into a time where people are starting to understand, I can't give if I'm empty. I can't do what I want to do if I'm on empty. And so people are starting to realize that self-care is very important. And I challenge people with that when they, because I've had a lot of students that say, well, I just can't, I can't say no. I can't say no. I can't take care of, I can't take time out for myself. And I challenge them to say, okay, right now on a scale of one to 10, how well do you think you're helping people? And they'll say like a six or a seven. I'll say, okay, what if you took an hour a day and took care of yourself and filled yourself up? Do you think you could help somebody at a nine or a 10? And they're like, that's a good point. So when we start to see self-care as a tool that we are using so we can make a bigger impact in the world, now that's aligned with our pattern. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And people sometimes underestimate how impactful their ripple effect is in the world how just by showing up for one other individual, 
even for a brief moment in time at a random coffee shop, they can change the trajectory of another human being. Mm -hmm. But how do we have more moments where we can show up and our ripple effect can be a positive one? We have more moments like that when we're taking care of ourselves, when we're feeding our soul, when we are overflowing and have more to give. You're absolutely right. It reminds me of a time that I was walking through a parking lot and I was just conducting a bit of an experiment. I was just going to smile at everybody. And I was smiling and I had my phone in my hand and there was this lady who thought that I was talking on the phone, but she interrupted me. She said, are you on your phone? And I said, no. And she said, you have the most beautiful smile. You just made my day. You just made me feel so good with the way that you were smiling. And I just said back to her, well, you know what? You just made my day because <laughs> that's exactly what I was trying to do today with, you know, being out in the world and smiling. What I'm getting at is our, it's our energy. It's that if we are uh, intentional and deliberate and focused on what we're trying to to do to see how that's going to affect others, that energy can have a ripple effect. And it is important to take the time to have that self-care because if we don't, we're not going to be in touch with what we need to do on a daily basis that nourishes our soul. And when we nourish our own soul, that is important to help others. So it was just a, maybe not a direct connection, but it just reminded me of the energy that I was putting out in a very loving, caring way just to see what could happen. Absolutely. And that ripple effect, I mean, it's, it's understated many times, but one smile, like what you walked through, what that woman received energetically, one smile can make all the difference in the world. You know, she said it made her day. So, I mean, we parted ways and never seen her again, but it was a good feeling. Also, I wanted to ask you what blocks people's intuition. How do they get over their insecurity or uncertainty about their intuition? Because you can block the intuition, but also maybe you're receiving messages, but you're not sure what messages are really your intuition or your ego mind, the protective mind. Exactly. We have a left brain and right brain. The left brain is very analytical. The right brain is very creative. So our imagination flows to our left brain. Our intuition flows to the right. The kicker is they seem very similar, very similar. And I tell people, take time, find patience, keep going, journal, write down the things that you experience. And when you see them come to fruition, go back in that journal and make note of it. Okay, that did show up. Or I love the no doubt notebook is what I call it. It's a notebook that is designated just for intuitive moments that ended up being really big hits. And these can be knowing that your partner is going to come home and they want, I don't know, Applebee's. And you're like, you predict it and they come home and they say, hey, let's get Applebee's. Write that in the no doubt notebook. You think about a friend and then they call. Or you get an intuitive vibe that somebody has four kids and maybe they're pregnant with their fifth. And then they, two days later, they're like, wow, I've got four kids and I'm pregnant with my fifth. And you're like, wow. So write these things in a journal because in essence, what's happening. And again, I think this is another reason that I'm doing the work that I'm doing 
because I love the science behind it as well. And the science behind stepping into an intuitive path has to do with Uh. belief and doubt. And doubt is a pattern and a habit. If you have had a lifetime of doubting your intuition, the synapses in your brain, the physical brain, has a habit and a pattern to fire in that direction of doubt. It can't be real. It can't be real. It can't be real. Now you can have an incredible intuitive experience. And I'll actually, I'll use one as an example. I remember doing a reading very early on. I was struggling with doubt, but I was, I stepped into being a professional. And this is one of my earliest memories of something that was really, really accurate. The woman's grandmother came through in spirit form she was hold the grandmother was holding a little dog. It was like a little white fluffy dog. And she was feeding the, the grandmother in spirit form was feeding the dog green beans. And I remember thinking, well, I'm not going to say this because I'm going to sound nuts. <laughs> it's going to be like, I'm going to sound way out there. But I said it. And the young lady sitting in front of me was like, wow, yes, that was what my grandmother would give her little dog. Right in my mind blown. And I go home and I remember wow, right? Just wow. And this was before I figured out, you know, how to handle doubt. Three days later, my next client comes in and I'm saying to my husband at the time, I'm like, is this even real? And he looked right at me and he said, seriously, poodle eating green beans. I'm done. I am. Why are you doubting this? And that's when it hit me. Ooh, yeah. Outside perspective. You're correct. How can you have an experience like that? And then ever doubt again, this got me to look into What's really happening in all three of the bodies? Is this a physical thing? Is this a a mental programming mind thing? And that's when I was able to look into it. Fact is, three days later, all of my synapses in my brain were back to that old pattern. So it takes time to, to have enough experiences under our belt that we create that new pattern. And I guess I tell that story because I want someone to hear. It can be that specific. And then two days later, your brain, your physical brain will tell you it's not real. So if anyone has doubts and then feels bad that they have doubts, let go of the guilt right now. Please do me that favor. Let go of the guilt. It's not, it's not your fault that you're doubting your brain went, nope, this is what we do. So take some time, create a notebook, one that you can look back on in the moments of doubt and re shift those synapses, get them to fire in the direction of what's really happening for you. It takes commitment and effort to, and set the intention. Because mm-hmm. once you set the intention, and then you can begin to put the practices in place. And it's just like self-care. You've got to work at it. you got to put the practices in place until it becomes second nature. Yes. And then if you start doing that, then the rewiring of the brain is going to occur so that you don't fall back into those conditioned patterns. Exactly. I think that's a great example and really a great suggestion as to how to approach building your intuition and building your confidence with it. Doubt is a habit. Well, it is. I mean, I think it is for most most of us. And it all starts from early childhood years because a lot of times we're, con- are, are, we're conditioned. Mm-hmm. We're conditioned in a lot of different things based on ancestral patterns, based on societal norms, based on cultural things. There's so many things that are affecting us. What would be the one thing in your mind that is needed to trust your intuition? That's a great question. 
the one thing that I would say to trust intuition. I would say any invitation that you can get to step into being limitless and acknowledging that everything is possible. We don't have to believe everything, but that everything is possible. I think that's where I would ask somebody to return to time and time again, to really be able to unite with that intuition and connect with it. I love that answer because everything is possible, particularly in the quantum field. And if you're operating in the quantum field and you, and you believe in it, that's a great answer. Thank you for sharing that. Can you share a little bit more about the SAGE method and how you developed it? And, and we've talked a little bit about it, but you've obviously over time you have perfected that. And that is really the primary thing that you use to help others. Tell us a little bit more about that. The SAGE method was interesting because uh, it came up in a way that I didn't expect. Going all the way back to the beginning when I first met that guide, I worked with him for about two years. I had so much growth that I needed to go through in order to shift from where I was to where I am, that he walked me through it. He said, you know, now I want you to focus on this. Now I want you to focus on that. After about two years is when he said to me, I want you to take everything that you and I have done. And I had journals. I had just journals and journals of every conversation I had had with him. And he said, I want you to take everything that we've done. And I want you to bring it together, all of the tools and I want you to bring it out into the world for other people. Because I went from completely skeptic and logical and completely shut down intuitively to working as a professional medium, you know, in demand and building communities, et cetera, et cetera. It was really this moment of if I can do it, anyone can. And I didn't even realize I was being given the tools to teach someone else to do it until I had gone through it. So that's exactly what I did. I went back through all the journals and said, okay, what did he ask of me? And what did I need to do? The smallest I could make it was seven weeks. I can't even get it smaller than that. Like I just, I, I've tried and I can't. It's a, it's a seven week journey that people take and it's a little bit of a formula. It deals with all three of the bodies, you know, the organization, the, the clutter, understanding in depth how intuition works. And then figuring out how it works for you. Because I think one of the misleading ideas out there about intuition is that it looks the same for everyone. And once somebody can grasp that your intuition is so unique and then be given the tools to explore that uniqueness, that's where you find a strength that nobody else has with your intuition. And then that's when it opens up. So that's in essence what the SAGE method is. I started teaching it in person right around 2007, yeah, 2008. And I remember I just got a couple clients together and was like, can I just try this out on you? <laughs> and at the end of the seven weeks, I think it was like eight weeks back then, at the end of the, the weeks, people did the experiments and we were just beyond excited on what was possible. And I remember thinking, it took me two years, you guys come on, you know, and in a couple of weeks, you guys are doing this, but it worked wonderfully. I'm very grateful. Fast forward today, it is now online and we do it in group cycles, which is wonderful. So people don't, aren't alone with it, but it's great. It's, I've now been able to connect with people all over the world. And I am so 
grateful. I love my job. That's awesome. What do you think makes it so effective? I think what makes it effective is a couple of things. Understanding it. So for people who, if they understand how something works, they're able to utilize it better. For those types of individuals, this program works really, really well because we help people to understand what intuition is, how it's linked to the other five senses and how it moves through you, how it's connected to imagination, like all of that understanding. We also help people to understand how to find and dismantle their clutter in a healthy, balanced way. Mm. And then lastly, the experiments are literally the experiments he had me go through, which walks you through, I think there's 14 different steps to find out, does your intuition better right away? Or do you need to sit with it for a while? Can you ask questions? Can you not ask questions? Is it visual? Is it auditory? So it's, it's like really exploring all of those realms and it's taking it out of the hands of the concept of this is how you do it. There's only one way to do it. And it brings it into the hands of here's the outline, here's the tools, create your passion around those tools. And then let's see how they start to poke through your intuitive channel. So it's a, it's a different approach. Definitely. I'm curious if you could share maybe one or two examples of how those who've gone through the program, how it's changed their life or how they have utilized it to better their life. I would say 97, 98% of the people that go through the course, they're not doing it to become professionals. So with that said, almost everyone that takes a course, it's really to just be able to tap into their intuition in their own lives. When it comes to the uniqueness of intuition, I have seen some amazing things. Some people can set up a stage in their mind and then their intuition creates something on that stage. Whereas other people, they need to set up different areas. I had one student and I love her so much and I love this example. Her intuition, she struggled, she struggled, she struggled until all of a sudden we went through a bunch of exercises and she created in her mind with her imagination, a shoebox, just like seventh grade diorama. Remember that where we would build something in the shoebox? She would put the empty shoebox, imagine it in front of her and her intuition just started to flow. This woman is so amazing. She can sit down with you, tap into an experience you had in the past. And if she puts that diorama in front of her, that experience will show up and it will just flow. And she can just describe everything about it. How many people were there? What was being said? I mean, it's really incredible. So she's a fun example of how unique your intuition can be. She's like, I've been trying to tap in for years like this. The second I finally figure out to do it this way, it all opens up. And that's what it's all about. Definitely. But other people have really expressed how it's given them tools for their relationships. It's given them tools for empowerment, for rising up, for balancing, for bringing out that ripple effect. I have people who suffered from post-traumatic stress and it started to give them some tools to make progress in that area. So it affects you on all three levels. But the really fun part is when it's all said and done, you get intuitive hits that you didn't think you could do. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that because I think that 
those examples will help others as they listen to this podcast. And all of you out there, I'm hope, I hope that you really are listening closely because there's some really great nuggets here of what Bo is sharing that all of us can utilize and bring into our lives if we only take the time to practice and uh, listen and trust our intuition. Bo, is there anything else that you would like to share before we wrap up today? Any things that you have new going on that you'd like to share that are coming up? And finally, any parting words of wisdom? For me, the thing that warms my heart a lot in my path was creating the Sage Circle. And that community is really growing. So when you said like what's coming up, that's really what's coming up to the surface for me right now. While I have students that I work with in the Sage Method, I have a large community building in the Sage Circle. And what that is for me, the reason I'm so grateful for this community, it's such an unconditional loving, just supportive group of people who are all following their spiritual path, all different walks of life, all different religion, all different paths, but yet we've been able to come together and just love each other for the spirit that we are. Do you know what I mean? And I'm super grateful for that because people who are exploring their intuition, you know, even more so coming into this group have support. I didn't have that when I opened up. And it's why it took me so long to open. It's why it took me so long to get the courage to let that be a part of my life. And I know there's a lot of people who might not have that support in their inner circles. And the Sage Circle is built for that. It's built to give that person and it's online. So it doesn't matter where you are. If you're looking for a safe place to land where you can talk about subjects that start with the sentence, this might sound weird, but the Sage Circle is the place to be, to be loved unconditionally for exactly who you are and supported as you really blossom on your spiritual path. That's the thing that I'm so excited that that has come to be because I didn't have it when I opened up. It's awesome that you're bringing it to the world today because oftentimes we you know we've go through things in life and we wish that we had that community or that avenue to to help us along. Fortunately, you had your guides. I did. To you know kickstart you and to get you to a point where hey, I can take this out to the world and make a difference, make a huge difference and you are making a difference. You are such a heart-centered person. I can just feel the love and the light just emanating from you, even through this virtual screen. I feel it because it's, it, we're not really that distant. You know what I'm saying? We are really right here. I would love for people to learn where to find out more about you. So you have a website and it's thesagemethod.com, correct? Is that where we point them to? Yep. And we make sure everything's on that hub for people. So the free course that you took is there. Sage Method is there. Sage Circle is there. Uh, blogs, video journals. There's so much teaching that you can get just right off of that website that it's a perfect spot for people to go. Okay. Well, we'll be sure to include that in our show notes. And a particular note will include the free course URL as well. GCP and the top five intuitive tools free. That's a course that you have uh, that you're offering. Yeah. And I think it's an amazing gift that you're putting out in the world. Anything else you'd like to share? Just tell somebody that you love them today. You know, let's get that vibration up there. 
Well, uh, that's beautiful. Well, I love you. <laughs> and I love you. Thank you. I was so looking forward to this. Yes, me too. That's it, folks. Great session today. And I'm so excited to have Bo with us. And all I can say is until next time, please just allow your heart to keep rising up. Thank you for being here. Bye for now. We hope today's show helped to bring a bit more joy and happiness into your heart. We hope it inspired you to unleash your inner power and rise up to your best and loving heart-centered highest self. We'd be grateful if you'd leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews are important to spreading this valuable message. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast and share the show with others. Visit heartsriseup.com for heart-centered courses, guided meditations, and our popular notes from your higher self. Until next time, keep rising up and may all that you love thrive.